everyone. Hi. Um, welcome for this BAFTA Q&A for the Australian Dream. Um, thank you so much for jo joining us. Um, director Daniel Gordon, writer, broadcaster, journalist Stan Grant, and the, and the remarkable Adam Goods. Um, we're going to be running for about 45 minutes, so um, please feel free to ask questions all the way throughout. There's a Q&A button somewhere in your screens at home, so please feel free to contact me um, using that. Um, welcome, all of you. Um, I know that we're all in different time zones. I just want to get a little idea of where everyone is at the moment. Um, Stan, where are you zooming in from? Sydney, Australia. And Adam? Um, in Bondi, uh, just around the corner from Stan. <laughs> and Dan, are you somewhere equally as beach-like? E equally exotic. I wish I was in Bondi, but I'm in Sheffield. Um, same, same, but different. Oh, well, thank you again for joining us. Um, Dan BAFTA winner um, for Hillsborough for your documentary um, and your, your kind of past filmography has involved sport for the most part, but at the heart of all of those sporting stories is always a human story. Um, what brought you to the Australian dream? How did the film come kind of to you? Uh, it was John Batik, my long-term producing partner, who uh, who came to me with a story. Um, Sarah Thompson, who's another uh, producer on this film, had gone to him uh, uh, with the story itself. And John just asked me, we're, after Hillsborough, we were looking for another subject to to make a film about. And, and it wasn't really with me in mind that he's just said, oh, have you heard about the Adam Good story? And, and I still think we've been doing these Q&As now for quite some time, and I still think it's sort of shameful for me. I never even knew about this story. Uh, it had not filtered through to England or much of the world outside of Australia. I hadn't heard about Adam, um, I hadn't heard about the incident, I hadn't heard about what happened to him. Um, and as soon as I saw it and started researching it, very, very quickly after I had a meeting with, with John and, and we just agreed it was a story that had to be told. And at that point I was pointed to, to Stan's speech, which is an incredible speech. Uh, that forms a, a huge part of the film. And, and at that point, I, I really thought we had a great story on our hands. Um, and Stan and Adam, obviously Dan not being in Australia, being an outsider, was that something that you were nervous and sceptical about, kind of trusting the outsider to tell such a personal story and such a, you know, an important story for the Indigenous people of Australia? Well, for, from my point of view, no, I, I, I welcomed it, actually. Um, I thought that that fresh perspective and those looking at this country with clear eyes was going to be a, a virtue in this case. I, I think it's really difficult and it has proven difficult in Australia to engage with these types of subjects. It's difficult to engage with an audience. Audiences often shy away from them. And, and filmmakers inevitably come to it with their own baggage or their own perspectives um, that can be shaped by our history in good and bad ways. I sort of welcome the opportunity to work with someone who is coming to this fresh, who is going to ask obvious questions that sometimes we don't ask because we are too familiar with it. And Adam, because obviously this is a story essentially in part of your life and of a particular time in your life that was extremely painful 
how what how was it to kind of relive that again and perhaps so soon as the actual events of what happened in 2015 yeah i think you know to sam uh, stan's point as well you know i really was um you know excited that um you know we had a uk produ production team that wanted to tell um this story about australia and yes there's a you know um, a little bit in this documentary about my story but you know my story is very familiar to a lot of indigenous people's story here in australia and what we're finding is this um, documentary goes around the world it's a similar story for a lot of uh, people out there in the world and i think that's the real connection that people are making to it and you know for me i knew i always wanted to tell the story and to have done it with stan dan and john and sarah um, you know, I'm just really proud that we've been able to produce something that we have and that, you know, um, we're still talking about it now and it's still going around the world and more people are watching it. I suppose we can't ignore kind of where we are today and kind of the history of kind of race relations and systemic racism, obviously not only in Australia, but around the world has kind of come to a convergence in the last six weeks for sure. How do you think kind of that's going to impact um the viewing of the documentary do you think it'll be seen in a different lens and what lens do you think that might be and come to kind of have stand for that one um wherever we've shown the film it's resonated so when we showed the film in the united states in canada uh hawaii um people have really connected with it because these themes are as you've alluded to they're very universal so i think also Sometimes when you see something play out in another country, it allows you to reflect on your own country in ways you may not ordinarily do. That little bit of distance lends its own perspective. Uh, and that what was happening to Adam was happening, as Adam said, to Aboriginal people every single day. With Adam, it was writ large. It was on, in our newspapers, on our television screens. It was also happening in the UK. It was also happening in the United States, in New Zealand, in Canada, wherever. We have issues of, of race and history. We see these types of flashpoints appearing. And what we're going through now, I think, is that people are finding their voice. This film is about people finding their voice, allowing people to speak, people demanding the right to speak. The Indigenous voices we hear in this film uh, demand the right to be heard. What we are seeing in the United States, what we're seeing with protests around the world, are people who say we will not be silent. We have a voice and we demand to be heard. And that's, that's really causing, I think, um, a lot of introspection in our society and society is having to wrestle with a lot of the, the, the foundational ideas of our society, how our political structures, our power structures, our economic structures are tied very deeply to issues of race and to whiteness and to the power of whiteness. And I think what we're seeing now are people challenging that, forcing us to look again at this, forcing us to, to question a lot of these foundational principles of our society, liberal democracy that went hand in hand with colonization and empire, that embedded power structures that, that attached themselves so deeply to whiteness and the privilege of whiteness. So it's a, it's a critical period. And whether it's statues coming down, whether it's films being made, whether it's people marching and protesting, all of us bringing their, our voice to this at the moment is forcing us to grapple with our history and to chart a new course that, that puts at the, 
at the, the forefront questions of dignity and respect and humanity and rights and justice, uh, long overdue. So this film, I think, formed part of what is a, a perfect storm that has been gathering in our world for some time right now and is reaching a, a moment of reckoning. Uh, and Adam, on kind of Stan talks about bringing your voice to it. You did bring your voice kind of those five years ago. You kind of stood above the parapet. You took the kind of the responsibility of representation on your shoulders. And that's an incredibly brave thing to do. And obviously faced with so much bullying. Was it, okay, I've asked in a way this before, but kind of living through that, what coming out the other end now, what have you learned and was it all worth it? Um, it's definitely um, worth it. You know, I've got a one-year-old daughter who's asleep in that room just behind me. And, um, you know, if I don't try to change the environment that we live in, then, you know, my little baby Adelaide's going to go through the same things that I've been through that my mum and aunties and uncles have been through and my grandparents before them. So, um, you know, in a way, did I have a choice? Um, you know, we always have a choice, but my journey and what you see in the documentary is a, a journey of what you learn in the documentary and that's of um, colonisation of government policies set up to um, make sure that Indigenous people um, are marginalised against for such a long period of time. And for me, um, my sport gave me a platform. And once I learned about my culture and my identity with that platform, I had nothing um, more than what I wanted to do was to stand up for what I believed in and to help educate other people on the journey that I've been on and going on, but also about history uh, here in Australia. Um, and Dan, talking kind of about the platform, sport being kind of one of the most prolific platforms we have in the world, film, another one, and the combination of both. And you've often kind of looked at the marginalised and marginalised communities through sport. How has this experience been different for you with the other, other films you've made? What kind of have you learnt about yourself and about Australia? Well, I, I've learned a tremendous amount. I, I, again, sort of feel this shame that I didn't know enough. I didn't know, yeah, I read history and politics at university and I didn't know anything about the history of colonisation in Australia, uh, apart from the very basics and they're the very basics taught in an English school of the English perspective. So I'd never heard the term terra nullius, um, which was the, the basis of effectively stealing a country for the British Empire. Um, so, you know, I, I learned a tremendous amount. What I love about my films is they're often international stories. So it you know, allows me to travel, allows me to see places. I absolutely love Australia. Um, you know, two of my best friends live in Australia as well as Adam and Stan, two extra best friends, but you know, um, and I love going there, but I, I've seen it in very, very different eyes now. Um, and that's been a, a huge lesson um, for me, just, just sort of understanding what people are going through. Um, and, you know, it, and it's not just Adam, you know, and, and, and you know, in the film, there are so many football players that have suffered abuse, but then you think actually in the film, there are ordinary, ordinary people who have just, you know, who have suffered all the way through generation after generation, learning for me about generational trauma as well, you know, within the indigenous community. And, 
Um, and, you know, as, as Stan said, wherever we've shown this film, people identify with it. Um, I think initially, you know, there may have been some scepticism about, you know, is this film going to play internationally because it's a very Australian story, but actually it's not a very Australian story. It's a very international story. Um, you know, we, we showed this film in, um, at the London Film Festival and people in the audience were saying, I've just seen my childhood in Brixton um, or Wolverhampton or wherever it was that they'd come from. And um, the same in Amsterdam when we showed it in, in Holland. Um, and so you see this, this universal theme um, and now, especially in, in this moment, you, you kind of hope that a film will have the impact um, that will bring also not just people who agree with everything that's being said, but challenging people who have a, a slightly different view to, to what this film is shown. Yeah, you're right. It did. It has kind of, it brings up a lot, even myself watching it, sitting on my sofa about six weeks ago, certain things that I'd forgotten from my childhood were brought up for me and kind of you kind of you let things slide sometimes certain words that are name calling and it kind of has taught me to not let things slide any well you know it, it's it, it's really how we see it is i mean no matter where you are in the world if you're a person of color you you are challenged always by the perception of the white eye you know the white gaze this idea that you are discovered this idea that people project onto you what they see one of the one of the problems of the challenges i suppose we all face as people of color is that we have to make ourselves visible to whiteness we have to explain our existence every day navigate a space that we didn't create that we have to live in and some of us can do that very successfully it doesn't mean that it's any less arduous or that it takes more from us um, it's it, it, it is a struggle and i think that's part of what we've seen with this film people can connect with it because if you are a person of color to live within the white gaze the idea that someone can frame you in your existence and see you as lesser or even force you into a defensive position of always having to explain yourself um is is a huge burden and people have responded to that So well put. Um, I wanted to talk about the, in the filmmaking terms of it, in terms of con the construct of it um, as a beautiful piece of filmmaking, as a great narrative, um, you know, a compelling documentary. Um, if we go to kind of Stanis first, in terms of writing it, um, did you know what your kind of your narrative points would be, or did you find that while kind of no, 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 it was, it was always known, and it's a very organic process. I think that the film came together in a very organic way. There was a very much a, a symbiotic sort of process here. We shared a vision. Dan brought to the, to the screen visually what we lived, what we experienced, and that was very innate. I think Dan just brought that sensibility to it. For me, it was a case of bringing a voice to that, to that imagery. And the way that we structured this in terms of being able to speak it as well as, you know, in, as, as write this process, um, the way that Indigenous voices were used in the film. One of the things I think we always wanted to focus on in terms of the structure of the film, the writing of the film, was that Indigenous voices must be present. They must be centred and they must speak powerfully from our own points of view, not in any way defensively or in response 
to whiteness or to racism. And I think that was always the, uh, the driving focus of the film. So it came together very easily in that sense, a very organic process. And Dan, did you want to add anything? I mean, really, a, a huge uh, shout out, really, to Matt Wiley, the uh, the editor, who who had never seen any of this before until we sort of got, um, you know, the the interviews back in. It was it was edited in in England as well in uh, in Matt's edit suite, um, and I guess really for for him, he was confronted with all this for the very first time as well, finding out a story. Um, and, you know, we all felt that it had to be, that the Indigenous voice had to be front and centre. Stan and Adam have got sort of parallel lives, almost. They, they live very similar lives. But then you look at everyone else, and they've lived a similar life as well, um, you know, on, on the margins. And even when you're a successful sports star, you're not really accepted. Um, you know, there's a, a, an incident with, with Nicky Winmar and a... a, a, a former player and broadcaster called Sam Newman, blackfacing. And we look at that now and, you know, we feel the disgust we ought to feel, but that's still on the best of DVD uh, of that particular show. Still on sale if, if you choose to buy it. Um, but interestingly, in that room during the apology to, to Nicky, Nick, Nicky's, you know, the only non-white face in that room of executives and everyone else kind of going... Oh, come on, Ian, it's just a bit of banter, it's a joke, you know, they've shaken, they've made up now, we can move on. And you look at Nicky Winmar and see the devastation that's causing him, and, and now knowing what I know, you know that that's a life that's being lived for every other person of colour in Australia, and obviously to extension the world, but in this, in this story, it's, it's within Australia, you see that in just this one sort of act of fake apology, and, you know, with, with this guy, Sam Newman, not really understanding what he needs to be sorry about. An attitude that he has to this day, but, you know, you, you kind of, you realise what people like Stan and Adam are up against every single day of their lives. And Adam, I guess the film allowed you to revisit parts of your childhood and then revisit an ancestral home with a, with a film crew as well. What did that mean to you? It was funny, actually, that same ancestral home um, was gifted to me in a way from another TV and production crew when I was doing um, the TV show, Who Do You Think You Are? And that was the first time um, that I got to go out onto traditional country and meet my ancestor out, ancestors out there. So, um, you know, I've got a lot to owe, um, you know, production teams for for the, um, you know, the, the storytelling that they've um, been able to do um, with parts of my life, which I'm forever grateful for. But to be able to take them back to my country and to share with them, you know, this special place, which is special to us as Ajnamatna people, um, was very special. And, you know, um, when you've seen the documentary and see the beautiful land that um, I, I come from, um, you know, it, it really does, you know, capture, you know, my Australian dream in that, you know, returning to country. And yes, I live in two different worlds, but I have this strong connection to this place and, and what it means to me. I have to say, actually, that's one of the most amazing film journeys I've ever made. And, and I know having gone through an awful lot of countries in the world and experienced some amazing things that I feel privileged to, those three days on country were incredible. 
um, to, to, to be there and, and feel that it's a very spiritual place and it was very special for our story. And it is a, you know, geographically a most amazing place to, to be in, but actually as an experience, it, it's, it's way, way up there. I'm, I'm particularly grateful that we were able to do it. We've got some questions that have come in. So let's see. Um, so this is from Helen Giroux, um, and it's for you, Adam. Did your mum and brother encourage or discourage you in the making of the film, knowing how painful some of the issues would be? Um, no, they didn't. Um, and thank you for that question. I think um, for me, the reason I wanted to do this documentary was that it wasn't going to be about me. Um, I got to work with Stan, who I absolutely respect and admire and saw it as a great opportunity just to be around the guy, even though he's vanished from my, my vision <laughs> right now. But, um, you know, for me, um, my whole life has been about learning stories and now telling stories. And this was just another story that I had to tell. And, um, you know, I felt in a completely safe place to do that. And, you know, that's a credit to Dan and the team um, for their abilities to um, tell stories, ask the right questions and put me in um, situations where I felt extremely comfortable to go to. Um, you know, some pretty nasty places in, in, in my life. He's back. I just lost Wi-Fi for a moment. We have another question from Judith Miller. She said, I've watched the film twice and was disturbed and, and moved in equal measure. The film ends by saying Australia hasn't resolved its own history yet and the indigenous, indigenous people are still suffering today but also a space is opening up to find each other. What do you feel is most different and noticeable in 2020? To me? Was that sorry? Yeah, I think it's, yeah, to oh, um, Adam okay. and Dan, yeah. Well, you know, I, I think what's happened is that Indigenous people in Australia uh, have fought for generations to create a space where we can be heard. Uh, and you have to demand that. You have to agitate for that right. We have to, you know, we have to break open that space. And I think that's what we've seen um, around the activism, around things like Australia Day, you know, celebrating a national day on what is a day of, of great pain for many Indigenous people because it marks the, the, the theft of our land and the invasion of our land. Um, the struggle for treaties to be written, which have never been signed in Australia for First Nations people. All of that activism has pushed open, cracked open the space. Um, Adam, Adam spoke to that um, when he accepted the Australian of the Year Award. He saw that as a responsibility, a responsibility to speak to justice and to, to, to reconciliation uh, and against racism. And he paid an enormous price for that. It is our people who have opened up this space because this is our country. We love our country. Um, we, we are the custodians, the owners of this country. And it is up to us to fight for justice for our people for this country. And, and I think it is those efforts that's opened up the space. And, and in that space, other people are bringing their voices to it as well. Non-Indigenous people are walking with us. And uh, that's the only way we're going to secure the future for my children, for, for Adam's children, their children to come. 
Um, Adam, obviously, there needs, as Stan has pointed out, there needs to be huge constitu constitutional reform in Australia. Um, and obviously reform perhaps in the sporting world and, and in the AFL. Do you think you'd ever want to get involved in sporting reform um, in Australia? Uh, definitely not with the sporting reform. I think if we start at the bigger level, then that will flow through hopefully. And I think, you know, one place we could start is maybe, you know, with the constitution or sovereignty here in Australia. Um, we're the only country part of um, the Commonwealth that hasn't got sovereignty with um, its uh, First Nations people. So, you know, that's something that maybe people in England can help with that um, as well. Um, I think, um, you know, for me, we're going to continue, you know, living our life and trying to do that the best way we can. And, you know, one thing that I've been a part of is this documentary that's helping people have conversations to go on journeys and, for a lot of Indigenous people that have seen it, you know, it's hard to watch our people in chains and I still can't watch our people in chains. And, um, you know, it just brings back such horrible memories. But um, a lot of my um, brothers and sisters who have watched it, they still feel that sense of hope at the end of this documentary. And without it, you know, where are we? And I think, um, you know, for me, hope is in everything. Um, I'm going to continue to work on projects that can keep telling stories um, because it's through the storytelling that I've learnt from my ancestors, which have learnt from their ancestors, that makes us who we are. And it's how we continue to learn and grow, but also to adapt uh, and adapt to the situations we're in. Um, making this film, Adam, is there anything that you learnt from your heritage or culture that you didn't know beforehand? Um, I learned so much. I think any time that I get to sit with my relatives around a campfire, cameras on or not, um, you're just listening. And that's my role as a, as a young Ajna man, you know, to learn from my elders, but even more importantly, to learn from my kinship elders, you know, about the land I come from, our stories. and just to have that opportunity to spend another three days with them was, was incredible. Um, I think the other thing that I learned um, on this journey that is, you know, you can spend a whole day filming on some salt flats and for not one second of that filming to be included in the documentary, that was a good, that was a good day uh, of filming, thanks. I, I call it research for a future project, that's all. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Wait for the director's cut. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's very long. <laughs> we, have um, we have two for you, Dan, um, both from Louise Massignat, who's asking where the funding came from and how did Dogworth, the UK distributor, get involved? Oh, I don't really know the answer to most of those. But um, <laughs> now, I mean, uh, I mean, Dogworth and I have, have got a... a, a fairly good relationship um, they came on board from a George Best film uh, which was released three years ago uh, I'm a huge fan of, of Dogwolf and their work and they've obviously been involved very early on actually for a, in, a, in an interested party kind of way they, they really wanted to be uh, involved in, in the release of this in the UK and I'm, I'm very grateful I know the production team's grateful uh, the funding itself was it's a, a UK Australia co-production um, so kind of sources came from from all over. We worked with a production company in Australia as well to, to make that happen. 
Um, we had a, an amazing crew, both UK and Australian, uh, when we went out filming, um, you know, particularly in, in Australia, they, they were amazing. Um, and indigenous as well. I mean, I kind of, it feels like saying, oh, we had an indigenous cameraman. He's a cameraman, he's a, a DOP, a director of photography, and, and he's, he's an amazing, Dylan's amazing uh, at what he does as well. So, you know, we, we had a, a UK crew on a first trip. So it, it's kind of, it was a really, really good, it felt like a, a, a perfect co-production. Often co-productions are made purely for financial reasons and you kind of, because you can get money here or you can do this or you can do that. And it comes with strings attached in what you can and can't do. This just felt very organic and it, it worked. Everyone had a role to play in it. So um, yeah, I mean, that's essentially where the funding came from. And, and I hope I won't get told off by Dogworth. I think I've got the story right, how they, how they came on board, but very grateful to them. It's really, it's really, you know, in a funny way, I know this is a great time now with everything that's going on in the world, but this was meant to be in UK cinemas in March, at the end of March, and it literally was the week that the cinemas closed. And, and I know it had a huge run in, in Australia, and I was really hoping that it would get a great cinema run in the UK. Um, and it hasn't, it's still, you know, it, it's still a great film, but watching it in the cinema and watching it with an audience who are going through all the emotions that you go through. Um, and, uh, you know, especially at this time, you kind of think, when are we going to experience this again? But, you know, th this sort of, when we launched it in Australia, in Melbourne, it was two, 2,000 people, 2,500 people, just really get it, absolutely getting this film uh, and going through all the emotion of anger. But then as, as Adam mentioned, and Sam's mentioned, there's that hope at the end. And it, yeah, it, it, it's a great film to, to watch but it's a really, really great film to watch in a cinema. Well, fingers crossed that one day yeah. the cinemas will open here again. Um, I should say that I should have said this at the top, but for those people that haven't had a chance to watch it yet and obviously can't go to the cinema, it's available. If you go to the australiandream.co.uk, there are a whole host of platforms that people can watch it on, and I would urge you to do so. Um, we have... Uh, Question from Dharmesh J. Raj, who says, I'm working on a documentary myself. I wanted to ask Stan and Daniel how the narrative was written. How did you decide what footage to keep and what to drop? Yeah. I was going to say Stan. Um, I mean, it's always, uh, I think to, you know, Stan alluded to this question earlier, or the answer to this question earlier. It's a very organic process. I mean, Stan, as, a, as the writer, has a, a, you know, a, a view of what, what should what should be there in terms of what ended up on the cutting room floor not a lot that i felt should have been in the film really and um, what what you see really is is what you you know what what we wanted to be in um you know it's uh you know john batty the the producer of this film or one of the producers of this film always says my films are 10 minutes too long that includes my three minute shorts um you know and and I, but it felt like it, this this doesn't feel like a film that's as long as it is you know it's no. It, it, it does go through an awful lot of issues and, and, and we spent a lot of time, you know, again, we're fortunate we were given enough time to craft the film and Matt, Matt Wiley, the editor, did an amazing job crafting the film. Um, and that's, that's really where the decisions ultimately are made. We don't have this preconceived ideas of it has to be this, this and this and this has to go in. Yeah. But it was always felt that it was going to be Adam and Stan's, you know, story and journey with everyone else. And with the indigenous oh. boys being front and centre, I don't know if you want to add, Stan. Oh, well, uh, you know, one of the things that I'm really 
proud of with the film is the way that Adam's, you know, the courage that Adam brought to this in being, allowing that vulnerability and allowing us to see inside his soul and taking us on that journey that then takes us into a deeper journey, into a journey into our own history and our past. And I love the way that an individual story was able to open that up and, and we, we go on that journey in the film. Um, it's, you know, any, any piece of writing, any piece of film is a, is a deeply political process, you know? I mean, you, you are making political judgments all along about, you know, how you frame a shot, what you include, what, what, what dialogue you include, um, whose voices you include. These are very political things. And when you're dealing with issues um, as sensitive as this, that's another thing we have to be very alert to. Uh, the, you know, there are people in this film who are hostile to us. There are people in this film who mock us, people in this film who are openly racist. Now, we could have chosen to have left those voices out, but to include those voices is not only a, a statement of record, these, this is what was being said at the time, but it's also a juxtaposition between the hatefulness of racism and the dignity and courage of our people. And I think we were able to strike that balance. One of the things um, that I was really, you know, privileged to be a part of and uh, was the way that Dan and John Batsik and the other people involved in this film respected us and respected our point of view. And nothing was in this film that I wasn't a part of. Every part of it. And there were moments, there were parts of the film that I went back and I said, we need to lose this or we need to change this shot, or we need to add this, or we need to put this person here. And everything that I, that I suggested was done. So this was a deeply ethical project. Um, it wasn't a white man's eye telling our story. It was an interpretation and a, and a way of being able to bring to the screen our story through our eyes. And, and that was, that's a tribute to Dan and John and everyone else in the film, um, that they never, ever buckled. They, they stayed on that journey and they listened to us. What we see on the screen is our story. Thank you. Um, Mark Miku, and this is a question for Adam. He said, it's an incredible film, congratulations. Um, how do you feel about the game itself now? Do you feel at peace with the game and with the crowd? Or are you still processing? Thanks, Mark, um, for that question. I think it'd be a really good time to still be playing, actually, because they're not letting people in the, in the, into the games to watch. So <laughs> it'd be a really great time to be playing, actually, So, uh, on reflection. But um, <laughs> I think for me, look, um, you know, that's a chapter of my life. And um, what I've reflected on up until this point of time is that I played 18 years and given it my absolute best and I had nothing more to give. Um, I was always in control up until the end of when I wanted to finish. And, um, you, know, you know, my attention to the game, you know, sits at like, um, you know, like I think anyone who has an 18 year career um, in something is that, you know, you sometimes just want to put it behind you. And for me, and the way that um, things had transpired at the end there, um, that's been the best thing for me, um, mentally, physically, but, um, you know, even more emotionally to, to do that. And 
um, you know, to not have seen a, a game live for a couple of years now and not to really watch on TV, um, you know, it's, it's quite nice to be talking and, and doing other things not related to it. Um, Hannah Starkins, um, I suppose this is for all of you. What other Australian films explore racism and identity? And have any of those inspired you in making this film? Well, from, from my point of view, there's a, there's a wonderful tradition and history now of, uh, of Indigenous people bringing our stories to the screen. You know, um, there are just, there are incredible Australian, Indigenous Australian filmmakers who are making fantastic movies. Um, and, uh, and they are, you know, we are, storytelling is a way of creating a nation. You breathe a nation into life through our stories. And, uh, and our, our people are doing this and, you know, it's, it's fantastic. And there are, there are great documentaries. I, I would recommend everyone watch a documentary called In My Blood It Runs. I don't know whether you can access it there. I'm sure you can track it down. In My Blood It Runs. It is about a remarkable young boy living in Central Australia and struggling with the weight of this country's history and what it does to you and what it does to your family and a young boy who is watching his future vanish right in front of his eyes because it is so hard to grow up as an Aboriginal person in our country. It's a remarkable film of a remarkable young boy um, and I would recommend everyone watch that. But seek out these films, you know, watch The Sapphires, um, watch Brand New Day. Um, these, are, these are great films. And, and, and watch films that were made by non-Indigenous filmmakers in the past that that deal with some of these issues. Watch great Australian actors like David Gorpalil, um, you know, chase down these films because this is, this is our story. This is a story of Australia and, uh, and it was an inspiration. It's an inspiration to me every time I, I watch these, these, these films. Thank you. Um, Amelia Jane Hunter. Um, how do you grapple with thugs like Sam Newman and other high-profile Australian identities still holding court and excessive media power with their racist rhetoric? Australia seems to make one progressive step forward and then three back by giving airtime to such dangerous opinions. How do you navigate such exhausting and constant agendas? Adam? I think by limiting as much oxygen as you can talking about them, to be honest. Um, um, I know, you know, they seem to bring up old issues just to make themselves um, relevant again. So um, for me, you know, I, I like to focus on the, the good things that are, I'm doing and part of and, and celebrating those. I think if you focus on, you know, their point of view, um, what they're saying this week, um, you really can get down on yourself and down on the journey and, um, I think for me, um, you know, I, I, I have to focus on the positive. I have to focus on that hope um, because you're right. You know, they do have these power of position, uh, power, position of power. Sorry, um, which um, sometimes you just can't, you just can't combat um, when you're not working in the media. Um, but you can uh, work and focus on the things that you can control around you, and that's what I choose to do. Um. We are running out of time, so I will end on this comment from Elaine Longmore. My name is, well, my name is Emerson Sutton. 
I'm 13 years old and an academy football player in England. I will try to insist that the team watch the film to try and understand the grassroots of racism in sport. Well done all. Um, thank you so much, Adam, Dan and Stan for bringing this incredible documentary for us. Um, for those who haven't seen it, the australiandream.co.uk, um, go there and there's loads of platforms that it's on at the moment. Um, it's not only a film about sport and racism, I believe that it's kind of, you know, the history of Australia that hasn't been seen before and such an important film. Um, thank you for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks for joining us and remember, you can listen to previous BAFTA sessions and podcasts at guru.bafta.org.